friends. I'm so excited to be here with you. Um, it's been on my heart for a while to talk about Passover. And well, now today is Passover day. Also considered preparation day. This is the day where people would be um, yeah, getting ready their sacrificial lamb and getting their things ready for Passover. Because immediately following Passover day, like the meal, is the feast or week of unleavened bread so there's lots of preparation that needed to be done today and here we are so i'm sitting here to talk with you because it's just it it's just so on my heart um passover has become very important to our family Uh, about 10 years ago a father showed me the significance of it in a I don't know, in a small way, I think at the time, because I didn't even know about his other feast days. I didn't really know about the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the things that follow it. And, but he showed me the significance of Passover and it was during a, a study that I did about the temple and finding out the connections, how every single element of the temple actually was like a shadow of Christ. Um, our Messiah and that like all of the elements in there had great great significance and the same is true and Paul even talks about it that the feast days are a shadow of things to come that and the Old Testament talks about it like that they are shadow of Christ they are shadow of things to come and also things that he fulfilled because he was our Passover lamb he was crucified on Passover during the time that they would have been preparing and sacrificing the um, the Passover lambs. So huge, profound significance there. And because of that, we, we dived in and tried to learn what we could and um, yeah, and learned about the Passover and this beautiful feast day. And I would love to share what I, what I know with you. I'm still learning so much. But the Holy Spirit is a wonderful teacher and um, just diving into the Bible and learning more and more about it. And he just keeps enriching it and just showing me the beauty behind it. All of the elements of even like the Passover Seder elements, they all point to Christ. And it's so (laughs) significant and beautiful. And I truly feel like if we are not celebrating this feast day and doing it in remembrance, that we are we're missing something huge um we're just we're missing out and i would love you to um i guess learn alongside me the richness of it and what god has for us with this holiday and the the holidays that follow it immediately um i want to take you to so what I've learned this year was that God gave us these feast days, these seven feast days, um, and they're in the Bible, and he talks about them being a holy thing forever for all generations, and God doesn't change, right? So should we not be, should we not be following them? Should we not be celebrating them and learning about them? And some might argue, well, we do Easter now, that's what we do instead 
and it gets a little dicey I'm not gonna pick it apart too much but it does get a little bit dicey because when you find the roots of Easter and even um, the root of the word Easter and where it comes from and that it comes from Estra a fertility goddess that um, that this the holiday that we know as Easter actually has some pretty significant pagan roots um, but it replaced God's holidays is what happened through through the Roman Catholic Church it replaced God's holidays and his feast days and God already had them he had Passover he had the feast of unleavened bread and the feast of first fruits and Jesus fulfilled those those ones of his feast days and um, yeah I think it's time for us to recognize it um, I've had to come with a very humble heart I've shed a lot of tears and just realizing how I was worshiping God the way that I wanted to by doing some of these things and I'm not saying like like I said I'm not here to pick it apart that these these man-made traditions of Eastern stuff are I'm not saying anything about them but recognize them for what they are they are traditions and they are man-made and they are not the father's days some might say well he knows who i'm worshiping he knows he knows my heart which which is true he does but also recognize that there's been times in history where people have followed god in their own ways and didn't even realize that they weren't doing it right um, let me just quickly pop over and take you to um, in Chronicles. I'm already here. Chronicles 34, the story of Josiah. Josiah, I think is how you say it in English. Josiah. He was the king who was eight years old when he started reigning. And he had a heart after God. Says he did what was right from Adonai's perspective, living entirely in the manner of David, his ancestor, and turning away neither to the right nor to the left. So he had a heart after God and he tore down the pillars for sun worship, he smashed the asteroid poles, he did the things to tear down all of the idols. Um, and he did all of these things, but he still was missing something significant. So when they, when he sent workers into the temple to help, like, restore the temple, and this is what happened in just in sorry, Second Chronicles, thirty-four verse fourteen, when bringing out the money that they had been brought, that had been brought into the house of Adonai. The priest found the scroll of the Torah of Adonai given by Moses. He said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the scroll of the Torah in the house of Adonai. It says his name here, but I don't know how to say it. Hil, Hilkiel, the priest, gave the scroll to Shaphan. Shaphan, the secretary, brought the scroll to the king. So he brought the scroll to the king. So, so this is, I think, very significant. Is that like clearly... Josiah had a heart after God, so he learned about him, he did the things, but what was missing was the Torah, they didn't, they didn't even have it, and they found it, 
And so when they found it, they brought it to the king and they read it. So the priest, the high priest, gave me the scroll. Shaphan read it aloud before the king. After the king had heard what was written in the Torah, he tore his clothes. And then he gave a whole bunch of instructions. So he tore his clothes and he grieved because he realized even though he was had a heart after God, it says that. This was in the 18th year of his reign. So this was a while later and they found it and he recognized that they still were not following it and he tore his clothes and he grieved because the significance of them not following Adonai's words, right? Um, So they read through it and then skipping to verse 26, please read the whole story if it's a good it's a good story um but you are to tell the king of judah who sent you to consult adonai that adonai the god of israel also says in regards to the words that you have heard because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before god when you heard his words against this place this place and its inhabitants you humbled yourself before me tore your clothes and cried before me i have also heard you says adonai and it says that he's not going to bring calamity in his time. Um, and so to me, that just shows that, like, the truth can be hidden from us sometimes. So the Torah was hidden and they found it. And as a result, they read it and tore their clothes, turned back to God and repented. And um, and then did what it says, because it immediately following it talks about how he did what it says. And profound is that in chapter 35 it says that Josiah kept Passover to Adonai in Jerusalem and it talks about how they slaughtered the lamb and he yeah how they did it all according to the Torah and that it that there was no other Passover like it since that time or before that time or whatever but that it was just like this amazing Passover so immediately he recognized what they hadn't been following turned and then celebrated the feast because God says that it's a holy thing forever for all generations right so I take that story and try to apply it to my own life and realize okay it is possible that we can go astray through the traditions of man because that's how he was working was through the traditions of man he didn't have the Torah until it was discovered and but once we know the truth that's when we have the opportunity to turn and turn back to him and that's what happened and then they celebrated Passover and is so good so that's a beautiful story about Passover in the Bible so where did Passover come from it comes from the exit of Egypt, right? Um, so that you, you can find that story, read that story, take the time today if you can to read that story, Exodus 12, when they left Egypt and that's when they had to sacrifice the Passover lamb, put the blood on the doorpost and, um, and do the unleavened bread because they had to leave right away. It says that night they are to eat the meat roasted in fire. They are to eat it with matzah and moror, which is bitter herbs. So those are the instructions for it. The instructions for Passover are actually quite simple. Like it's kind of just that. And, you know, the, the lamb idea, the eating of the meat 
could be debated in that um, that we know that like they, they sacrificed the lamb, right? But because Jesus was our, our a sacrificial lamb, he was the ultimate, he was, I mean, talks about that over and over again, he was our sacrificial lamb, he was our Passover lamb. He fulfilled that part. So if we're sitting down at the table and eating, the lamb that's on the table is not the sacrificial lamb. Like there's no way that we can even do it because we can't even do it on the altar. Um, but it's a representation of it. And I get like some years we celebrated without the lamb. Some years we did chicken. Um, some years lamb wasn't attainable or, um, or affordable and that's okay. But we still, we still had the dinner and we had specifically what it tells you to do, the matzah and the bitter herbs. And we did it in remembrance. And that is, that's the point of it is to do it in remembrance and you know to sit down and read through some of these these chapters as a family to sit down and do a bit of a seder there's options online for different messianic seder um dinners and it's it's such a beautiful way to sit and learn with your family and your friends and to take time and to me it's so profoundly different than like my whole life we celebrated easter dinner after after lunch right and we'd go to somebody's house and have easter dinner and we'd just sit and eat and hunt for eggs and bunnies and then maybe maybe we would read a bible passage and then we would claim it was a day for god and it never, it never fit. It never made sense to me because it's kind of like the end of the day, and it's like, oh, oh, we should, we should read, you know, the crucifixion story or something, right? Like, or we should read, read about God or Jesus being raised. And it was such a afterthought, or just not even because you know we went to church in the morning for the sunrise service, so so recovered, right? But if it's his day, should we not be doing something more significant? And that's what totally changed things for me, was being able to sit with the family, learn, talk about it, do this in remembrance, and actually sit and talk about these things and read the the passages. Just fed us in such a way so profoundly different than the cultural, traditional Easter. And, uh, yeah. I just can't do without anymore, even if it's a small way. Some some years we've been so busy and it's, I thought, well, maybe I'm not going to worry about it this year. But then at the end of the day, we still sit down with our dinner and we go through it um, because I can't skip it. It's just too beautiful. Okay, still lots more to cover. <laughs> so hopefully you're still with me. Um, so at Exodus 12, Passover, first Passover story. And then pre- after that, then it always looks different because they've already escaped, right? So they're doing it in remembrance after that point. And so they're not, they're not doing the, like the doorway covering because that was just for the, that first day. After that, it's always a remembrance, which is what we have now. It's still just a remembrance, but it's still important. Um, Leviticus 24. Three gives us some more insight into the instructions on the feast days and then it starts to talk about the feast of unleavened bread which follows immediately after the Passover evening 
Passover dinner. And then also during that time is the Feast of First Fruits. So it's like one after another after another, and they're immediately like they all overlap. So Passover first, and then the the week of unleavened bread starts, and then after the Sabbath, the first Sabbath in the week of unleavened bread is the feast of first fruits, and that's where they present a first fruit offering to God. So let's read a little bit about it. Leviticus 23. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, between sundown and complete darkness comes Pesach, Pesach, Passover for Adonai. On the 15th day of the same month is a festival of matzah. So that's immediately after Passover is on the 14th and then the matzah starts on the 15th. For seven days you are to eat matzah. On the first day you are to have a holy convocation. Do not do any kind of work. Bring an offering made by fire to Adonai for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. Do not do any kind of ordinary work. So the first day of matzah and the seventh day are considered holy rest days and also called Sabbaths because it's a rest day. It doesn't mean that it's gonna line up with the Saturday, but those are additional Sabbath days. Adonai said to Moses, tell the people of Israel, after you enter the land I'm giving you and and harvest its ripe crops, you are to bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He is to wave the sheaf before Adonai, so you will be accepted. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Shabbat. So the day after that, that, um, that Shabbat in the first fruits day is when first, or... (laughs) Too many words. Too many words. So the lineup basically is, like I was saying, that that you have Passover first, and then you have your Shabbat day of unleavened bread, and then that carries on for a week, but not the whole week is a Shabbat day, just the first and the last day. And then after that first rest day is the, the Feast of First Fruits, and that's when they would offer the sheaf of... Um, the first of their harvest so it'd still be green still be new offer that to god and then um we do know about the oh words words are hard sometimes okay sidetrack but we so after (laughs) after the first fruit they're supposed to count 50 days and then that is when the Pentecost um, holiday or feast day is. So 50 days after the first fruits. So it's all calculated upon each other and it's all kind of, it can vary through the years, but they're all based on each other. So without first fruits, we don't have um, Pentecost. That was the word that I was looking for. I don't know why that fell out of my head, but oh, it's there now. So I encourage you also now, after you've read the Exodus story, to read about the the crucifixion story Um, because you're going to see those dates line up very, very beautifully and realize how Christ fulfilled those days on the dates. It's so, so cool. God gave us these feast days and they... And then he fulfilled them on the feast days because why wouldn't he? And like he's so strategic and amazing. Why would he just pick any old day to for his son to die? No, 
he was sacrificed as the Passover lamb on Passover. And, oh, it's so good. So let's read a little bit. Luke 22. Um, So at the start of it, it says the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called Passover, was approaching. So that's when they're planning to, to... kill him or find a way to kill Jesus. Um, Skipping down to verse 15, he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will no longer by any means eat of it until it's fulfilled in God's kingdom. He received a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, I will not drink at all again from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom comes. He took the bread and when he had given this, had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in memory of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. So there we have it. We have Christ saying um, that he's not going to do this, the Passover, until he returns that he won't drink from the vine until he returns that he won't be able to sit and eat passover with us until he returns and that my friends is what i heard what i had studied and realized how can how can he celebrate with us if we don't even celebrate it so he's talking about here i can't wait to do this again with you when i return and what if we're what if he comes and we're not celebrating passover yes this is the verse where we get communion from yes we do communion and i'm not i'm not saying anything about that but he he's talking specifically about the passover and he's talking about that he's going to do it when he returns so are we just going to start then is that when we're going to learn how to do it or are we going to continue to do it in remembrance of him? Exactly what he asks us to do there. To do it in remembrance of him. He didn't say to do away with it. He didn't say, oh, I've fulfilled this, so forget about it. No, he says to do this in remembrance of him. So that pierced my heart. And that's when that year I started. <laughs> we started as a family learning what doing Passover as a Christ following family looks like and there's lots of information out there um yeah and then we get some dates and or some dates and times as we read just a little bit further um it talks about so it goes through the process it's during preparation day it talks about that in luke 24 or 23 it was preparation day and shabbat was about to begin um another time significance it was now so this was after um they caught jesus he went through all his trials and now it was about noon and darkness covered the whole land until three o'clock in the afternoon so in that time would actually be when they would be sacrificing that the passover lamb and that's when it happened for jesus he fulfilled it it's so cool it's so cool the sun did not shine and the curtain in the temple was split down the middle crying out with a loud voice yeshua said to the said father into your hands i commit my spirit 
with these words he gave up his spirit so that happened at three o'clock um, other gospels correlate that in that um, yeah when he went to go see we skip ahead to John here when he went to go see Pilate and was on trial it was about noon on preparation day for Passover so it's talking about that it was on the preparation day um, and then at the end of the preparation day was when they had to remove his body because the body could not be hanging on a stake over a Sabbath. So it was really, really important for them to remove his body, which is when they pierced his side um, to confirm that he had passed and the blood and the living water came out or the blood and the water came out and they took him down because they had to yeah they had to get the bodies down before the shabbat that high holy day talks about um it was preparation day and the judeans did not want the bodies to remain on the stake on shabbat since it was an especially important shabbat because the next day would have been the that shabbat for the unleavened bread that we talked about that first day of the week of unleavened bread so there was shabbat there so one of the questions that I always had as a kid was, how do we have, so Jesus prophesied that he would be, he would be dead for three days and three nights, right? Like Jonah in the belly of the whale, three days and three nights. How do we get that math if we're following the Roman calendar of Easter with Good Friday and Easter Sunday? So you could kind of get away with, um, and this idea that, okay, Good Friday, he was crucified at noon on Good Friday, and then there's Saturday, and then he rose on Sunday. That's kind, like, could kind of be three days. But where do you get the three nights there? It doesn't work, right? And I could never wrap my head around it. I actually honestly thought that he rose on Monday because that's the only way that it made sense to me. And we had always what we called Easter Monday. That was my childhood that's kind of what how I reconciled it but no they claim that he rose on Sunday the day after the Sabbath so how does that fit so this is how it fits uh, hopefully I can explain it to you but there's some awesome calendars if you need visuals because there's no visuals happening here um, so he was crucified on Passover right he was a Passover lamb and they had to take him down before the Sabbath of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So my suggestion, and this is this is not my suggestion, this is what has been found, is that that, day, that year the Passover lined up with a Thursday night. So Passover on Thursday, he was, he was sacrificed on the Thursday. Friday was the first day of Unleavened Bread which was the, that high holy Shabbat that it talks about, the especially significant one. And then immediately after that Shabbat would be another Shabbat, which is Saturday, which it would just be the normal Saturday Shabbat. So that year there was two Shabbats, one after another, and that, that happens a lot. Um, so it was a, a two-day Shabbat. And so you've got that day, so you've got the Thursday, night and then Friday, Saturday, and then he rose on Sunday. And that is how you get the three days. And you know what the Sunday day was? It was the day of first fruits. 
so we kind of talked about that that was the wave offering the first fruits of their crops that was the day of first fruits so he rose on the feast of first fruits again just so wild that he was yeah he was buried on the day of unleavened bread or the feast of unleavened bread the start of that right and he rose on first fruits um, Paul talks about the first fruits. Let's skip over to Paul. It, I'm still very much learning about first fruits and the significance of it. Um, but there's there's quite a bit in the prophets about the first fruits. Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But the fact is that Messiah has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through man, also the resurrection of the dead has come through man for just as a connection with adam all die so in connection with the messiah all will be made alive but each in his own order the messiah is the first fruits then those who belong to messiah at the time of his coming then the accumulation when he hands over the kingdom to god the father so he he is the first fruits of those that will be raised. So he ra- he was raised on the day of first fruits, and this is where Paul is connecting those dots, and he's talking about Christ being the first fruits of those that rose. I remember hearing about it, talking about it, but never really understanding the significance of what that meant. And I can still definitely say that I'm like learning that, but again, the the day that he rose, it's not technically. I mean. Yeah, he, it is Resurrection Sunday, but it's not technically Resurrection Sunday. It's actually first fruits, because he was the first fruits of those that rose, and that's the day he fulfilled it. So, 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 so cool. Um, and just in case you need just a little bit more proof of why the Passover might be important, oh, Paul talks about Passover too, and he... Um, yeah, let's read his word. So in 1 Corinthians 5, just because we we like the New Testament, we like Paul, and so having reading his words too to correlate and confirm what Jesus said about celebrating the Passover um, can be profound, right? So verse 6, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole lump? Purge the old yeast, that you may be a new lump, even as you are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed in our place. Therefore, let's keep the feast, not with old yeast, neither with yeast of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So here he's correlating both the unleavened bread, or feast of unleavened bread, and what that represents the sin or the doctrines of man, like it's all kind of in there. We're supposed to get rid of the old leaven and celebrate the feast. He says it here, if you missed it. Therefore, let's keep the feast. He says, let's keep the feast. So friends, let's keep the feast. This is God's day and he gave it to us and we're supposed to do it in remembrance of him. And it is so profound and so significant and so beautiful, I can't even express it enough. I'm just going to leave you with a little plug that um, if you want to learn a little bit more about it, if you want to sit, even tonight or even this weekend, 
with your family and kind of go through some of the elements of what this might look like because it could be totally foreign to you as it was for me. Um, there is a uh, YouTube video called, done by Torah Class, I've mentioned him before, and he goes through a little bit of a Passover Seder with his church and he kind of leads us through all of the the different verses he ties everything in beautifully he shows us how the passover elements actually point to christ and how they represent christ and the significance of them um it's yeah it's done in a very very simple and beautiful way if you just want to do it on the fly he gives you instructions on what you need but basically you're going to need wine or a cup of juice you're going to need some bitter herbs and which usually we just use parsley um i think he uses salt water too and matzah which you can make it's pretty simple to make or you can buy it in the stores or sometimes we've even used just crackers like flat crackers because that's just what we had access to. So I will add that link in the comments to this particular video. Super duper good. And it's a really, really good starting place. Um, with that, it's been a long half an hour. I hope that you're still with me. And I just so appreciate you listening and learning alongside of me. Um, again, I'm no, no profound anything but I'm simply trying to follow the Holy Spirit and where he's teach, taking me with these teachings and teaching me about the significance of the Old Testament and that God is a wonderful God and he never changes. Um, yeah, I cannot get over the significance of Passover and that, that Christ was our sacrificial lamb and that he, his blood covered our sins and he tore the curtains so we can come before God as holy and clean and uh, it's just it's so profound so I I pray and I hope that you will go through some of these gospels and learn and just refresh your minds of what Christ did for us on the cross the work that he did and how it correlates to the Passover and how we can use the Passover to remember these things and to just grow closer to him um, yeah. Be blessed, my friends. Enjoy, enjoy your Passover and your week of unleavened bread. And um, yeah, he loves you. Jesus loves you. Bye.